The first reading this evening is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 32 through to 37. And this may be found on page 1096 of the Church Bible, hopefully behind the screen, behind me on the screen. Acts 4, reading from verse 32. The believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sowed a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Who's reading next? Oh, sorry. <laughs> right, that was the first reading. The second reading you will find on page 1179 of the Bibles. The book of Philippians, chapter 2. Beginning at the first verse. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Lord, help us to know what you want of us as we ponder what we have just heard. May your word enter our hearts and change them. Enter the heart of the church and change the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's a little trick or sleight of hand that we Christians are adept or have got very good at playing down the centuries. It's a way of avoiding or dismissing what God is saying to us. And this is the trick. It's to exaggerate in our ears and minds what we think God is saying to us to such an extent that it becomes impossible to us and then we can safely dismiss it. We can say that's unrealistic, that's utopian, that's stupid, or maybe that's just for very holy people, and I know because I'm a humble person, I'm not a holy person, and therefore I can leave that to others. And this passage in the Acts of the Apostles, because I gather you're moving your way through the Acts of the Apostles, is that right? Um, This passage is a classic. What always catches people's eye is that the first Christian were beginning to practice what looks like a sort of voluntary communism or communalism, or put it more simply, they were sharing what they had so that nobody need go short of anything. Nobody claimed any of his possessions as his own. They shared everything they had. And this appears to have been a response to a practical need. There were no needy persons among them. And of course, you've had the same in chapter 2 after the wonderful description of Peter getting up and preaching to the multitudes and the Spirit of God convicting them and all falling to their knees and repenting of their sins. 3,000 people joining the church. There's a sort of thumbnail description of the early Christians. And one of the things it says, apart from the baking of the bread, the listening to the apostles, the signs and wonders and miracles going on, that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their goods and gave to anyone who had need. So you get it twice. How do we respond to this? Now, why don't you have a little conversation with each other, as I gather you're used to having, and just introduce yourselves to one another and say, hello, a little bit about yourself, and then tell the other person what you think about the idea of sharing your goods in the way just described, if you want to. Okay, off you go. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, it is quite a difficult and challenging idea that's been mooted, isn't it? We think about sharing our goods And it's scary, although God actually has a habit of making things achievable once we get used to the idea. 
because God can do amazing things. I suspect many of us have very mixed feelings about this. Um, It's not easy. Maybe you have a promising career ahead of you. Maybe you're training to be a doctor or an accountant or a solicitor. And maybe you're also aware that it's very difficult to own property these days. You need a lot of money. It takes years and years to pay off a mortgage. Maybe you've got a partner who expects more than you do and there are tensions over budgets and things like that. Maybe you worry about sending your children to a state school. Many people do. And you feel somehow that if you did, that it would be like causing your children some grief um, because of your idealism, although actually there are very many very good state schools and all our three children went to them. It's a difficult subject. Other questions like, if I started giving money away in the way that they did in the early church, to who do I give the money? How do I give it away? How much do I give it away? Do I go on giving it away until I've got nothing left? Or what? How do I know when to stop? And the whole thing becomes something, oh, I just don't want to think about that at all. And then one day you have a wonderful thought. I pay taxes. And you think, why do I pay taxes? Of course, I pay taxes to care for people who aren't as wealthy as I am. That's the whole point of taxes. Because of me, poorer people enjoy free benefits when they're sick or when they're unemployed or when they're no longer able to work. Because of me, there's a free health service. Because of me, there's a free education system. Possibly housing too, not to mention all the stuff that everybody enjoys, such as libraries, sewage systems, clean water, police and the emergency services and lots of things like that. I pay taxes, therefore I, we are off the hook. We live in a different world, but do we? And then the nagging thought comes back, is this just me, is this just us? evading what God is really saying, putting it all into the realm of the impossible and the never-never. I think we've got to do a bit more work, don't you? Okay, look at the passage again, the Acts passage, I mean. If you've got the Bible, just turn to it. And we, we read from verse 32, okay, of chapter 4. page 1096. Let's read the first sentence together. I like to do this when I want people to remember things. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Let's read it again. All the believers were one in heart and mind. That's how it starts. It doesn't start with guilt. It doesn't start with inadequacy. It starts with a work of God 
in the hearts of believers so they become one in heart and mind. It starts, if you wish, with discovery. Discovering that I have many more brothers and sisters than I thought I had. Some of them are strangers to me, but we are sisters and brothers together. And the simple thing God, Jesus, asked me to do is to get to know these strange people. And if you then go back to Jesus behind the Acts of the Apostles, the stranger the better. That's what Jesus says. And immediately everything becomes clearer. It begins with relationships. It begins with getting to know people. And the sharing of goods comes out of that. Does that sound better? Maybe it sounds worse. Much easier to write a check. Actually, yes, actually, that's true, isn't it? It's much easier to write a check than actually to get to know somebody. So, maybe it isn't better. Let me just tell you a story. It's, it, it really, most of us aren't very good at getting to know people who are different from us. We stick to the people we feel comfortable with, we, we feel happy and secure with. And the big challenge is to notice the person at the back of the room, to notice those people over there who are a bit threatening and a bit scary. Let me just tell you a story. Some, many of you have heard of a lovely Christian pastor and missionary, a guy called Floyd McClun. Have you heard of him? And he told a story of this couple he knew about who went off to India to be missionaries. And there was great excitement on behalf of this young couple. Let's call them a young couple, shall we? Um, there they are. They were going to India and being Americans, India was like the moon, you know. And they were preparing these people to go off and evangelize the Indian subcontinent. So they raised lots of money and bought them all the kit they needed and lots of Bibles and sort of in Hindi phrase books and all sorts of things like that. And they got them up to the front and they laid hands on them and they made a big fuss of them and they sent them all off to India, this couple off to India. A year later, the couple returned and Floyd McClung met this couple and they were strangely subdued and almost embarrassed and what they said was well we think we got it wrong we don't think God wanted us to go to India at all somehow we misunderstood what God was saying to us and Floyd McClung said to this couple why what what went wrong she said well we haven't converted anyone we're not even aware that we've actually touched any hearts or God has done anything through us we just spent a year struggling and trying and getting nowhere and then Floyd said to them well well um did you visit any Hindus in their homes well, well no we didn't no we found the food a bit hard to cope with so we you know lived in hotels and things like that um I mean did you did you find anything that you liked or admired about Hindu culture? Well, no, they're, they're pagans, aren't they? You know, you have anything to do with, or 
Sikhs? No, no, the ones with the turbans, no. Muslims? No, not really, no, no, we were there to convert people. Um, so, do you think you did God's will? Well, I'm not sure that we did. And that's the story. Love means making ourselves vulnerable. It means, as we've just heard from the Philippians reading, I don't know who paired them together, but it makes an interesting combination of readings, doesn't it? It means actually seeking to be and understand and walk with Jesus Christ, who emptied himself, became nothing, laid aside his majesty, and made himself as vulnerable as any human being can make themselves, and eventually went to the cross so that we could be transformed. And I think, as St. Paul then draws the conclusion, love actually means thinking of other people as being better than we are, more deserving than we are, more mysteriously honourable than we're inclined to think we are. And it's a huge thing, and it's where it all starts. And just to bring everything to a close, I think this community of goods, as we've already discovered, starts with finding that community in the spirit with people who are different from me, getting out of my cosy Christian ghetto and getting to know the person at the back of the room, the person outside the charm circle of privilege and opportunity. And it's a vital journey that each one of us has to make in our own way. The great news is that Jesus is with us in it and he loves us very much. And actually, it's rather like learning to do exercises, you know, you know sort of exercises for the soul, you know, as you get better. You do begin to feel stronger and it becomes a great excitement and joy and adventure. And there's a, finally, just to say, there's always a personal and there's also always a communal. The communal challenge, the personal challenge is to get to know the stranger. The communal challenge is somehow for the church, let's just speak of this country, shall we? The church to become a means of healing a very hurt and dysfunctional and divided society. I mean, I don't think Britain has ever been as fragmented socially as it is these days. I mean, in terms of people from the poorest section of society going to university, getting on and doing something with their lives, in terms of the fragmentation of society and the fact that there are so many people who feel they don't have a real stake or value or any sense that I really belong 
to some bigger community that is of meaning to me. And somehow for the church to become a means of bringing healing to all that. That's my favourite subject, so I think I really had better stop now. In a moment, I think Victoria's going to come up and pray, but I just would like just to pray for a moment. Maybe we could all be quiet and pray. Lord, sharing our life, sharing our substance, becoming one with our brothers and sisters is a prospect that, if we are honest, frightens us a bit. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that maybe the very path that scares us is the path in which we will find we truly meet with you. I pray for each one of us that you help us to know what this means for me, and also for us, that you will take your church and change it and make it into something that shines brightly in this dark world and brings hope and life and light and meaning and purpose to millions. And let it begin with me. Thank you, Lord. Amen.